Shavuot Tov, everybody, and welcome to Parashat Bo. What is the meaning of life? We're almost embarrassed to even ask the question nowadays. Well, in the comedy science fiction novel, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a giant computer designed to answer the holy question spits out its solution after seven and a half million years of computation. And the answer, of course, 42. That's it. In the closing scene of the movie Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, the answer to the holy question is handed to the actor Michael Palin, who proclaims to an entire crowd, try to be nice to people, avoid eating fat, read a good book every now and then, get some walking in, and try to live in harmony with people of all creeds and nations. These answers are funny precisely because they take the form of good answers, yet their content is empty or mundane. These parodies invite us to laugh at ourselves and ask, what was I expecting? What kind of answer could have possibly satisfied me? So let's come back to this question in a few minutes. In Parashat Bo, we pick up right where we left off in Parashat Vaira with God's continued show of miracles in Egypt. And Hashem makes it clear over and over again throughout the story that these wonders are part of a larger process, the process of educating both Egypt and Israel, that a society ruled by the principles of tyranny will surely crumble and that no group of people has the right to enslave another group because all humans are holy and every individual is created in the image of God, Beselem Elohim. And above all, this long, drawn-out process of miracles was meant to teach the world one simple message, Ki Ani Hashem, that there is a master of the entire universe and that he is invested in the destiny of his creation. And so, rather than abruptly pulling Am Yisrael out of Egypt, God deliberately knocks down the false gods of the Egyptians one by one beginning with the gods of the river and land and finishing with the gods of the heavens. And in dramatic fashion, we watch as the ego of Pad'ol crumbles with each blow. And that's the beauty of the story. It allows us to witness and be a part of the process. Whether it be Moshe Rabbeinu's growth process from a timid shepherd to the leader of a mighty nation, or the process of Pad'ol realizing that his power, like all things born of violence, will quickly run out. This process, however, represents much more than we might realize at first glance. To us 21st century readers, it might seem as though God is simply toying with Pat'ol, making a fool of the arrogant king simply for the sake of showing who's boss. But I think the real reason goes a step beyond this. From a psychological perspective, it would seem that the worship of many gods actually reflects worship of the self. Each God is a projection of one of the many human desires and emotions onto the world itself. So if I conceive of the world as ruled by many independent warring deities, these gods actually have less power and I have so much more. I have the power to curry favor with one deity or the power to bribe another. But in a monotheistic worldview, when there's truly one unifying being who is the master of the entire universe, I begin to realize a very sobering fact, that he has all the power and I have 
None. So you can see why this was such a tough pill to swallow for a man like Paro, or for that matter, anyone in the ancient world. The process unfolding in ancient Egypt was not simply God's way of toying with Paro or saying, you guys have all your gods and that's fine, but I'm the best one. Instead, it represented a radical shift in human consciousness at the time. It was a way of forcing humanity to face the humbling truth that we are powerless in the face of the Almighty God. And that in reality, God is infinitely greater than what the Egyptians or any polytheists ever imagined. That the ground of being is vaster and more profound than they could have ever conceived. But here's the thing. Without this realization, one cannot properly answer the fundamental holy question that we raised earlier. What is the meaning of life? I recently had the privilege of listening to Jonathan Haidt's book, The Happiness Hypothesis. And in it he explains that there's a clear difference between the purpose of life and the purpose within life. The purpose of life in its totality cannot possibly be fathomed by us. As Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu in Parashat Kitisa, Lo adam Moshe, you want to see my glory. You want to understand the totality of it all. But the problem is you're a limited human being. You cannot possibly see all of that and live. And as Rabbi Sachs, Allah Shalom, used to say, the meaning of the system lies beyond the system. Imagine trying to explain to somebody the reason why we have a game of baseball using the laws of the game of baseball. It would be completely impossible. So the question that we as humans must focus our attention on instead is the purpose within life. And the question becomes, how can I from the inside, as a subject, as a limited human, find a sense of meaning and purpose in something that I do? So the answer that Jonathan Haidt gives is profound. He says, to really find happiness, the key is to feel that we are part of something much larger than ourselves. And he says as follows, happiness is best described as coming from between. That is, if you get the right kind of relationship between yourself and other people, yourself and your work, and yourself and something larger than yourself, if you get those three relationships right, it will draw you out into the world. It will engage your passions. It will give you the kind of support that you need and want. And it will give you a sense of meaning and purpose in life. So instead of chasing after your desires on the hamster wheel of polytheism, never satisfied even after getting what you want because that is the ultimate illusion of life. We think once I get X, Y, or Z, then I'll be happy. Then I'll achieve what I really want. Instead of doing that, Try to feel larger than yourself by doing any of the following. Either improve your personal connections by showing gratitude to others and feel that you are larger than yourself in that relationship. Figure out and utilize your unique strengths at work and figure out what, is the, what am I best at? What am, what's my favorite thing to do? And when you can do that, you can tap into that state of flow in your work. And finally, embed yourself in a community of people who have a goal to make the world a better place. These are things that we take for granted sometimes, but if we could really seize the moment and understand, wow, look what I already am a part of. 
I'm a part of something so much larger than myself. Even the ancient Stoics used to have a practice where they would imagine that, God forbid, someone or something in their life disappeared, that they did not have that thing anymore. And then they come back to the moment and they realize that they do have it and how appreciative they should be for what they already have. And by doing this simple technique, you could learn to desire what you already have. And you could connect to that thing in a different way than you used to. So the truest answer to the meaning of life is also the truest way of knowing God, of Da'at Hashem. It's through doing things that make me feel bigger, making me go a step beyond my limits. And that comes only through living a life of transcendence in all that you do. Thank you very much and Shavuot Tov.